and welcome to the Try Talking Sport podcast hosted by me, Joanne Murphy. Whether you are an athlete, adventurer, endurance enthusiast, or simply have an interest in sport, you have come to the right place for inspiration, encouragement, motivation, and of course, a little bit of entertainment. This week, I am in the Costa del Sol with my mum and sister, enjoying some warm, sunny weather and the chance to swim and run in the sun with just a little bit of chilling and adventure thrown in for good measure. It's great to be able to get away for a few days again before the winter weather kicks in at home and it feels like forever since we could go abroad on holidays together. Congratulations to everyone who was racing last weekend. Lots of people fulfilled bucket list goals running marathons in Galway, London and Belfast. And there was a big Irish and UK contingent in Barcelona who embraced some less than ideal swim conditions on race morning for their 70.3 and Ironman races. I was delighted to be on the mic at Run Galway Bay 10k half marathon and marathon on Saturday morning. After falling victim to COVID in 2020, it was great to see so many people participating across the three events on the day. Now, everyone knows that going out to run a race at any level is difficult. Enjoyable mostly, but at times there are sections where you just want to give up and question what you are doing halfway through and what excuse you can cite for giving up. What struck me on Saturday was how grateful and happy people were as they hung around and chatted pre and post race. And certainly in the starting area, the nervous energy was speckled with a sense of excitement that a real running event was taking place. And no matter what the outcome of their individual performance, people were just happy to be back racing and participating in an event. There was no way anyone was going to let their head till their legs that they were giving up halfway through the race, regardless of distance. This race was making up for lost time and events missed during the pandemic. It felt great to be back. If you fancy running in Galway soon, the Streets of Galway 8K takes place on October 24th, slightly later than its usual early August date, but after missing out on the 2020 edition, it's great to see the event go ahead this year. I've signed up for the Fields of Athenry 10K. I need a goal to aim for over the next few months to keep me running and having it the day after Christmas will keep the amount of Baileys consumed on Christmas Day to a minimum. Well, maybe not a minimum, but definitely less than if I wasn't running the next day. You can find out more about both events and register to race on trytalkingsport.com. In the meantime, I'm crewing for Karen Cassidy, one of our Galway babes, at the 24-hour Mondello cycling event on the 16th and 17th of October. It will be very strange to be on the other side of the team for this event, but looking forward to seeing how her race unfolds. Having trained with her a lot over the past few months and seeing her commitment and dedication to this ultra cycling challenge, I know she will do well and will give it all she has got. I, undoubtedly, will have serious FOMO as she whizzes around the track on her bike and I stand by to watch her race. The following weekend, I am off to a doubleheader Ironman in Portugal. I'm delighted to be joining Paul Kay on the mic for the weekend and get some more sunshine in the process. If you are racing in Portugal, please get in touch. It would be super to see some familiar faces out there and to call you down the finish line. Closer to home, there's plenty going on behind the scenes here too. Keep an eye out for a brand new easing being launched in the next few days. You can subscribe to the easing on the website. I won't bombard you with lots of emails, but you will get the inside track on lots of things happening across the sport of triathlon at home and abroad. Now to this week's guest. Ultra endurance cyclist Sean Hernan from Galway has been embracing adventure on two wheels for many years. What started out as a five-week bikepacking adventure across Africa has led him to many routes and races at home and abroad, with a firm focus on going long, embracing exploration and adventure. Kickstarting his ultracycling career with the race around Ireland in 2009, it has been a roller coaster of a ride with many mountains and kilometres climbed to get where he is today in his ultracycling career. 
Towing the start line of the race around Ireland on numerous occasions since his first attempt at the event, he has dealt with the lows of a number of disappointing DNFs and the highs of finishing on the podium in both the full and ultra distance events. With both a second and third place in both the races, full and ultra, at Race Around Ireland, he has his target set to make it to the top step of the podium in the ultra race in 2022, after what might be considered a breakthrough season this year. Crippled with stomach issues and a knee that gives him plenty of bother whilst racing that have both in turn affected his performances over the years, he has, through the intervention and guidance of performance nutritionist Gillian Mooney, found some relief for his stomach issues that has seen him perform at the level this season that he knew he was capable of. This summer, Sean won the Donegal Atlantic Ultraway 555k unsupported race and the TJB Coastal 330-mile race before going on to set a new record for the 571-kilometre route from Mizzenhead to Malinhead in a time of 17 hours and 20 minutes. That's an average of 33 kilometres per hour over the distance, which included around 4,500 metres of climbing. With his eyes on the prize of the top step on the podium in the race around Ireland Ultra in 2022, a possible faster record attempt for that mizzen to Malin route and the expected arrival of a new addition to the Hernan household early next year, there are exciting things to come for the man referred to fondly as the Bear Hernan. Enjoy the show. Sean, thank you for joining me on the podcast this evening. Welcome to Try Talking Sport. Thanks, Joanne, and good to be chatting to you. Now, we had a chat uh, just a little while ago during bike week, but you were in a car on the way to Mizzenhead to try and do what? Yeah, I was on the way to Mizzen. Um, I was the next morning, I was going to attempt the Mizzenhead to Malinhead uh, point to point, um, kind of rec- beat the record time, which was previously was 17 hours, 36 minutes. And um, yeah, no, I'm pleased to say that, um, you know, we did get down that night. We did nearly go off the road at one point and we had to pull the car back on the road but the bikes were fine and we started at 5am the next morning and uh, I uh, yeah I managed in the end it was a successful day we knocked 16 minutes off the previous record so it took 17 hours 20 minutes in total and uh, I, I understand the, the the record will be kind of published I suppose in the next few days yeah. For my listeners who are not based in Ireland and don't have a clue where Mizzenhead is or Malinhead is, even though they probably do know where it is, tell me exactly where they are and what the distance is that you covered in the 17 hours and 20 minutes. Yeah, sure. So so it's it's probably it's going from the most southerly point in Ireland to the most northerly point of Ireland. It's it's probably people in the UK or otherwise are it's probably the equivalent of Lands End to John O'Groats um in the UK. So so the distance from from Mizzenhead to Malinhead in Ireland, um, from the south to the north is uh 500 well it took me 571 kilometers and about four and a half thousand meters of climbing probably average 33 kilometers an hour for the 17 hours 20 minutes and who held the record before you and how long did they hold it for it was a it's actually a friend of mine who have raced against a lovely guy from, from cork donica cutris he held the record previously and um he had actually just over, held it for just over a year actually um i i'd say there's a good chance he might well come back and do it again i think he's he's a you know he's a real fighter i think that's what i like about him he's a good he's a strong cyclist and i i've i know there's a few other people i've heard that are gonna have a shot at the record maybe next year so um and and i I might be one of them myself actually because i think i can go a bit faster but we'll see and how does your wife feel about you going back out on the bike to try and break uh another record take a few more minutes off that record yeah well (laughs) She, she was delighted that we kind of broke the record and then, and then um, she probably wasn't very delighted when I uh, when she when the lady from the B&B in Mizzenhead rang her the next day and said that I'd left my 
wedding ring in the in the bed and breakfast and then she probably wasn't delighted either when I came home and um, told her that I'd like to do it again the following week and to try and knock more time off so so uh, I'm, <laughs> to save the marriage I decided no it's good to uh, leave it now till next summer but no she on the whole look she was delighted she's very um she she puts up with my kind of uh, <laughs> cycling exploits and she's very understanding yeah I know we kind of jumped right in there to a little bit about your most recent activities but for listeners who don't know who you are and listeners come from all around the world so some of them will know who you are from your ultra endurance cycling endeavors and others won't know who you are give us a little background into where this passion for cycling came from how did you get into cycling and what is it that you love about the ultra aspect of it so much I suppose I look I grew up in in the west of Ireland uh, I was born and my parents are, are from the west of Ireland I was born in the states um, moved moved back to Ireland when I was four and I was lucky enough to grow up in Lettermore it's like uh, probably 30 miles west of Galway city it's just it's kind of a little island off the coast and um I guess, yeah, I always loved the countryside and I was very active when I was young and I had a bike and stuff. So there was always a love, I suppose, with the outdoors. And then when I, um, and I'd be playing kind of Gaelic football and all that stuff, I, I probably injured my right foot. I had surgery on it when I was 18 and that sort of kind of not much happened, I suppose, for a few years after that. And uh, it was probably, I suppose, in terms of entry into like ultra events, it probably, that probably kicked off in the 2000s so I had moved to I moved to London on a, in about 2002 and I was qualifying as a lawyer there funny enough I still remember the time what got me into cycling was I, I came home for a trip from London and Shannon Airport and I saw the Lance Armstrong book and uh, I know he's done some bad things but he was literally he did he was the reason that kind of inspired me now he didn't inspire me to go cycling necessarily I got into running actually on the back of that book I was training for kind of um I seem to have right away an appetite for ultras. I don't know why, but like the first running event I was training for there was like a, a, a marathon in the desert in Africa. And that sort of thing would come across probably with me. It's just a bit of kind of all or nothing. I, I, I don't know. I don't like, I said, why start with the 5K? I just kind of would go for the long stuff. But anyways, no, I, I injured, I probably, I probably that was one of the mistakes and that I made throughout my career was that I probably did a bit too much too soon. And I remember injuring my foot when I was running. That, that kind of, I was looking for something else I could do and I took up cycling and uh, I had, I think just after qualifying in London in the probably mid 2000s, I'd had five weeks um, free and uh, before going back to work, I just, I remember going down to a bike shop, buying a bike, touring bike. Then I went to the camping shop and I bought a tent and uh, panniers and uh, three maps to get around Africa. And I flew out two days later, I think. And I did this um, cycling tour on my own, kind of just through parts of, I think it was Uganda, Rwanda, Burundi, West Tanzania, Malawi, Tanzania, and and it was completely clueless, I would say. But but I had like the best time ever, and I think I think of all things, that's really like what was that was the driver for like doing long distance because because it was totally I suppose off the beaten track and there was no like tourist points really. But it was I guess I met some great people. The scenery was fantastic, and then I remember coming back from that, and I just I, at that point I was just this cycling long distance is brilliant, you know? And then I, I suppose I saw an advert when I came back then for an ultra event called, an ultra cycling event called Race Around Ireland. And that's what I, I remember start training for that. And uh, I was completely clueless again. I mean, I remember turned up to that start line in 2009. Um, I had a, probably the race organizers probably remember this still. I had like a little, I don't know, kind of equivalent Peugeot 205 or something. And, and, and uh, the, Back of it was um, like filled up with fig rolls and pineapple cake and my mom had made potato salad and all this stuff and it happened to be really hot. 
And then like two days later, this potato salad was still being fed to me by the crew, which has probably gone off, you know. I remember we were stopping up to the north to get fries. And, and anyway, so look, I, I, I guess I approached the whole thing with ultracycling by, it wasn't scientifically done and it wasn't um, done, it's not how I'd recommend it to others, but I guess there was, what there was really behind it was just a real love of kind of adventure, I think. And then, you know, exploring like kind of parts of Ireland, the thought of like cycling around the whole of Ireland was um, just something that seemed brilliant to me. So, so that was really the start of it. And from there, I just ended up doing kind of more and more kind of cycling and running kind of ultra events from there. Yeah. I want to come back to the trip to Africa. How did you even take a notion that you would go to Africa as opposed to anywhere else? Like, why didn't you just cycle around Ireland? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> I guess I, um, I, I, yeah, like I, when I was young, I always wanted to travel. Like I, I really, um, I always had it that I'd be traveling around the world and stuff. So just anyway, chance to go and kind of off the beaten track and was, was, uh, yeah, like, you know, I, I guess later on, actually, yeah, when I got older, now I'm really keen to explore all the parts of Ireland. But when I was young, it was, it was really about, you know, seeing other parts of the world. But yeah, there wasn't any rhyme or reason of the countries other than just, I, I think I looked at where flights were available and worked from there. And what was the highlight of the trip? The people, I have to say, yeah. Like, I mean, it was just absolutely amazing. Like, I remember there were some parts that I, I literally, I think some people, I'm not sure if they've seen, saw white people before, like out in the wild, because there was, uh, I remember there's young, two young lads cycling towards me one day and they literally fell off their bike because, and, and they, they, they they just were in total shock, I think, to see this white person coming towards them on a bike, you know? And, and they were all, I guess, <laughs> what was funny is that they just couldn't get their heads around, like, why someone would be on a bike from the Western world coming to Africa, you know? Um, but um, it was I definitely, yeah, look, the people and uh, it was the best thing. And then I guess the kind of the love of cycling really that it, you know, that that triggered from that trip. Yeah. Race around Ireland, 2009, potato salad and fig rolls. Um, yeah. How did the race go? So back then you had 120 hours to do it. It's now kind of the 132. I, I think even the organizers back then underestimated how, how tough it is to complete that event. So I got as far as probably the Wicklow Mountains and I think we we're at like 118 hours and um, I didn't expect it would take that long because I remember we had a flight booked back to London the next morning and uh, we got to we got to somewhere around Wicklow Mountains, I think, not too far from the finish, but we didn't, um, we were outside the time limit. So um, it was going to be a DNF and then we were weighing up. Uh, so it didn't work out. I didn't finish that year, got close which is amazing given the stuff I was eating and our approach to it, frankly. But um, I think there was only actually, I don't know, was it 12 or 13 started, but I think there was only three finished that year, actually. And uh, so I came back the following year and I think I, wor I worked with a coach, actually. So I got very scientific the next year and no pineapple cake, no fig rolls, no stopping for a fry. And um, yeah, I came third, I think, that year. Subsequent years, I came back and I suppose the best I've done is probably third in the second in the full. And I've done this, the half version, which is third in the second. So I, I guess it's the, for me, it's the one I'm hoping it goes ahead next year to kind of to go on better. We'll see. And will you do the ultra or will you do the full in the RAI? Yeah, the ultra is the one I'm, I, I, I don't think I'll do the full for another few years, just I suppose for family reasons now with the, you know, little ones, but um, but the ultra, it, I suppose it's yeah. I, I'm definitely keen on doing that one because I start well. I started out doing the really long ones. I've, I've started doing it seems shorter and shorter, and I'm, I'm 
I think I'm becoming a, a maybe a stronger cyclist as I'm doing possibly the shorter ones. So I, th- I guess with the ultra, you can be done in like 40 to 48 hours maybe, but I, which is just completely different ball game from doing a full one, which may take five days. And I just, I don't think I'd, I'd get the permission at this point to uh, get the five days off. And I, I love the way you say it takes 40 to say 45, 48 hours. And I'm just looking at you going, God, yeah, yeah. Uh, 40 <laughs> to 48 hours is like how many days? And you're just dropping it in there like it's a, it's a, you know, going out and going for a little run around the park, like a 5K. Yeah, it's, I guess it's all relative, but yeah, it's, um, I guess the ultras, what's interesting about them is that, you, you know, I think you can do all the training, but you don't really know what's going to happen like out in the road and like, as in, you know, something's going to happen and you're going to have problems. And I, I like that bit about it because yeah, over 40, 48 hours, whatever, or five days, it, it's, you're going to have, I suppose the mental ops, you know, the obstacles will hit you and your tummy or different stuff or your knee. And it, it kind of, I guess I like that bit. You, you have to, you test yourself every year, I guess, in that sense of how you overcome adversity. And I guess that's one of the things about ultras that, you know, people maybe don't understand until you're doing it. It's, it's that it's that sort of when you overcome some of that adversity, like it, it carries through into other parts of your life as well. And I think it's it's a very it's a positive thing, I suppose. But yeah, it's but I, I totally get it. It sounds bonkers, like you know, to say you're going off for 48 hours. Yeah, never mind the 48 hours. I'm thinking of the five days. Yeah, yeah, that that, that even that sounds bonkers to me now. It's one thing for like when when we did the race around Ireland, it was whatever 80. I can't even remember what it was. It was 80 hours, 81 hours or something. But there was four of us and we were breaking it down in a relay. But like you were doing that many hours or 120 or 130 hours um, and you're barely stopping. It's just you in the saddle. It's, you know, at least with us, we all get to take a bit of a break. It just does seem pretty crazy, doesn't it? Yeah, um, I, 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 yeah, I think it, it does sound crazy. And, uh, you know, why do people do it? I, I mean, I guess... As I said, it's, there's a few reasons for it, but um, I suppose one of the things is, you know, you don't, first off, I suppose you're not going to go at the intensity maybe of, of the people doing teams. It's, it's a more, uh, you know, aerobic throughout probably, um, which I guess makes it a little bit more enjoyable. You know, it's a very different kind of like mentally, you know, you would be fried if you just high intensity kind of, you know, throughout for that period of time. But um, well, you probably so, wouldn't last, though. I mean, you wouldn't if you were in no, the red. No, I don't think so. From, no. yeah. from the get go, you wouldn't um, you wouldn't last. No, exactly. And, and and there's an art form to that as well. Like, I mean, just obviously the you kind of have in terms of digestive issues and stuff, you know, you have to kind of slow it down a bit to, unless you're like an expert, an expert maybe, but to allow the gastric kind of issues to kind of resolve and, and all that stuff. So, so I guess as you go a little bit more aerobic, you know, you do enjoy it. It, it becomes a little bit like, well, a bit like the Sunday club spin, but without maybe your teammates around, but um, it's, it, I guess, yeah, I, I, I suppose, look, I, I'm trying to think what's so great about it. It is, you see all these places that are just like, there's something epic about, you know, cycling through the night and it's just been so quiet and nothing but like the lights of your car behind you. And then you kind of, you know, the beauty that you can see at like, as the sun comes up the following morning, I mean, it's just, uh, there's something, um, something rare and just very wonderful about it it's hard to put into words i suppose but like it, it, it's something you kind of experience i suppose and it, it's very strange as well because you, you you at times you will i suppose it's saying all things shall pass and 
that re really is true for like the ultras because you can feel terrible at one point and then like within a few hours you can feel like you're on top of the world you know so it's it, it's just about sticking in there but it's um I suppose Ireland is, is a beautiful place like to, to cycle. That, that definitely helps, you know. There, there is something very spiritual about that whole cycling through the night and then just seeing the sunrise and you're pedaling away and you're in a world of pain, but it doesn't really matter. There's something very, um, I'm going to say spiritual, but it's not the word I want to use. Uh, I, I don't know how to describe it, but it is something very unique that you don't get in an awful lot of things that you do. No, hundred percent. It's um, it's definitely something. It's an experience. Yeah, hundred percent. And and I agree. It's hard to, it, it's hard to define it. I suppose what that is. It, it's something you you definitely it's that gets experienced. But um, but but yeah, certainly those are the moments that that kind of stick with you. You know, and it's what kind of drags people back. You know, whether you whether you you know end up winning or finishing you know there's something about it that that draws a lot of people back you know i mean there's been plenty of years where i've had dnfs because in the ultras you just have to accept um that there's a high risk that you know you won't finish but even if you're feeling great beforehand but but there's something you still have magic moments you know before that yeah maybe that's the way to describe it the magic moments um you mentioned dealing with disappointments how do you come back from disappointments? Like what, what do you do to forget about the, the mistakes that you've made or maybe forget about a, a bad performance or, or what to you is a bad performance? Is a DNF a bad performance? Well, I suppose, yeah, it depends, I suppose. I mean, I think it, it's all about, you know, you, you, I suppose you, you try not to forget your mistakes, I suppose. You actually, as long as you're learning from them, I suppose that's the, the key thing. And, and, and by, you know, I was lucky enough, I suppose, I worked with sports psychologists a few years back when I was, when I was in London. And, and I, I guess the, the one thing that stuck with me is he said that, you know, acceptance is the master skill. And, you know, you have to accept maybe things went wrong and you have to accept, you know, where, where things have gone wrong, what you could have done better, maybe, you know, need to do next time. But um, I guess... Yeah, well, first of all, it's like if you accept that it, it, it didn't go the way you planned and then you come, typically, I suppose, what, what I find anyway, certainly is, is that if, if things don't work out, it does give me a drive to come back a bit stronger. I mean, it's of course, you're going to be disappointed for a period, but it, it adds as kind of extra fire and motivation. I think you you'd probably understand that as well. It, it's for my side, I've definitely had low points. And I think that thing definitely with ultras, you've you can do it. There's not that many of them you'll do per season so it, you know you could end up in a situation where all your eggs in the one basket for you know one race a year and a five-day event or something and then it doesn't go to plan and you're kind of that that can feel difficult but look at the end of the day it, it's also maybe the same person sports psychologist I worked with like he he um he was very clear and and, and it's, it's it's great advice I got was just that like you know cycling is cycling at the end of whether it succeeds or not in cycling you're still you're still Sean and you have to be happy with Sean in, in day-to-day -day affairs. And 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 I, I really kind of think that, that stuck with me. And it's 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 something that, you know, I guess I don't I don't do cycling because I, you know, to fill a gap, I guess. And um yeah, I guess it's yeah, but there have been certainly this disappointment, and I guess it's everyone is different, but being positive and just I suppose analyzing mistakes and moving on from there, I think that's the that's all you can do at times. And 
Yeah, I think Joe Barr coins a phrase. I'm not sure if it's his phrase or or if it's a phrase that somebody else has said, but there's a lot to be said about failing forward so that you learn from those mistakes. I know he had that uh, Wild Atlantic Way record attempt and it didn't go the way he wanted in the first instance. So he talked a lot afterwards about failing forward and about the lessons that he learned. And he could then put those lessons into practice for his successful second attempt that he did uh, just a while ago. And mentioning Joe Barr, you did have a great season this year so far aside from your record I mean you won the Joe Bar coast to coast race you also won the unsupported Donegal 555 what else did you do this year did you win any other races um no I think that was it I, I was doing some kind of club racing I suppose with the league locally but that, that was my first um believe it or not that was my first time sort of um club or group racing actually so um because I was always doing the, uh, you know, the the ultra stuff where you can't draft and so on. So, so I, I did, you know, a few did well in a few of those shorter ones. But no, I think it was the three the three ultras this year were the were the three, yeah, the Mizzen Mallon records, the uh, the Donegal five 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 unsupported, and the Joe Bar seven seventy uh, coast to coast. That was the they were the three. Um, I'm trying to think actually. Yeah, but while you're yeah. thinking about that, come back to me about the club racing. Normally, people go the other way. They do the club racing first and then they step up to the longer distance stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is it. See, I, I started out with a really long distance. Like my first ever race of any ever distance was the, the you know, the 2,200 kilometre race around Ireland. Um, and, and then over the years, yeah, particularly in the last three or four years, I've kind of started doing, I started doing the race around Ireland Ultra. And then, yeah, I've just, I've just been moving to the shorter, shorter events. And then this year, yeah, I got into the club league i suppose organized by the challenge um cycling club in galway they, they run a fantastic league i think i kind of got into it kind of halfway through or something but you know it, it, these they're completely different to ultras because it's like 20 30 kilometers and and, and i yeah it's zero tactics for me in terms of racing i mean i just jump in off the front at some at first few times and think i can just pedal away you know i didn't want to because I'm, I'm so not used to cycling in the group i prefer to be out front but those tactics aren't gonna be when you get swallowed up yeah yeah exactly so um but no I, I really kind of I think that definitely helped and like because I was doing that leading into things like the Joe Barr and stuff and it kind of it, 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 I think it helps it helped me I think anyway certainly become a little bit more I suppose savvy and a bit more maybe aggressive in, in terms of like you know that that racing mindset as opposed to kind of a um, maybe just like an ultra because I think with an ultra it's very you, you look at the distance and you kind of you can just go out maybe a bit slow. And in the past, I would have been, I suppose, a less aggressive. I think I would have started events and then moved up slowly, whereas now my approach for three races this year is just like go off hard from the gun and, you know, you kind of try and take the lead as quick as you can and just stay out there. And I think the racing, yeah, certainly helped a little bit on that. I really enjoyed it, I have to say, and I, I, I'm, yeah, I'll definitely go back to it next season, yeah. And how did you find doing the Donegal 555 unsupported? So the Joe Bar and Mizzentamal and you had a crew with you. Race Around Ireland, you have to have a crew with you as well. Um, but the unsupported side of things, it's very, very different. So how did you find jumping across from having the crew to cater to your every need, give you the fig rolls and the pineapple cake or whatever <laughs> it is that you're having now um, versus needing to have all the logistics and plans and know what you're doing, where you're going, or maybe you didn't, maybe you cycled by the seat of your pants, basically. I was going to say flew by the seat of your pants, but pedaled by the seat of your pants. How did you find that switch over? I loved it, I'd say. Yeah, I really, really loved it. It's 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 different, but like I, I guess it's 
it felt for me a bit going back to the kind of roots of like it did this whole thing of like you know it's always for me it's like is there adventure to be found in this and is there kind of a new new kind of scenery and stuff like so so it, for me it was like that the 555 I hadn't done before and I mean it was absolutely stunning course um I, I'm hoping I can go back to it maybe to do the, the supported one next next August it was different I suppose yeah like because you always have in the back of the mind you, you know you have your bike set up and you're the biggest fear you have is like well what happens if you have a serious mechanical or puncture now luckily I didn't on the day nothing serious um few kind of issues just tighten up bolts and things and I had a I had an issue actually with my bike light where the bracket came loose and it, for the last I don't know 100k you're kind of having to hold it like with, with, in your hand while, while pedaling and, and that made life difficult to say the least because it was all that was all in the dark and coming down Glen Gesh I think that's that's it, I, it was it was a bit scary I have to be honest but I think the yeah like the other bit is is look I I'm not the best historically at being I wouldn't say is it organized or planning for these things right so uh, I'm better now, but it used to be a bit chaotic. But I think you have to be organised for the self-supported one, right? So you know, I, I, I think I did do quite well, and I, I, I definitely kept it, you know, minimal in terms of what I was carrying on the day. But I was kind of clever enough of how you store things on the bike and in your backpack. But the biggest thing is probably like yeah, access to water. Um, which required stopping at a few places and uh, going into shops. You know, other than that, like it's not, well, it is long, but it, it, it's 20 hours or so. And um, I didn't have any big mechanicals and it's, um, I, I highly recommend it. I mean, anyone, I think it's going to become more popular, but like for anyone who has any interest at all, I mean, it's just, it, it's it's wonderful. You are still seeing all the teams go by you during the day and stuff like that. So there is this kind of, even though they're not your team, you're kind of waving at people and, everyone's really friendly and, and, and all that stuff. So um, I, I definitely, yeah, I, I'm curious, I think for next year, I, I to have a shot at the kind of the supported version of the 555, but I, I definitely someday as well go back to the unsupported, yeah. And there's also the uh, the transatlantic way race, 2,000 kilometres as well, I think it was at 1,800 kilometres of unsupported riding from the top yeah. of the country down to the bottom. So uh, that's another one <laughs> for the books for you to try out. Um, 100%, yeah. In, in ultra racing, I know in the record attempt, we were chatting before we came on air and you said that the only time you stopped pedalling was when you were stuck at traffic lights or stuck at a traffic jam. So for 17 hours and 20 minutes, you pretty much kept the pedals turning. How? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, um, but I suppose it was, um, I, I, well, I guess, well, it helped, you know, I knew I had to beat a certain time and um, I, I always had in the back of my mind that this this fear that, um, you know, you're going to get stuck at this red light or you're going to have a mechanical and you're going to lose time. So it, 17 hours, 20 minutes was the total time. And I think four minutes, 45 seconds was was the non-moving time, which was just the traffic light time. So it, yeah, I didn't get off the bike. It felt fine. I, I guess, I mean, it's it's uh, it's a bit sore after, but I mean, on the day it, it, was, it was fine. Um, it, it wasn't, it, you know, it sounds like you'd need to get off the bike more, but it was actually on the day, it wasn't, it wasn't an issue at all. And uh, I guess the, um, the, the way it works is you, you have someone from Cycling Ireland there as a kind of the commissaire keeping an eye on you. So they're driving behind you the whole day to make sure you're not breaking any rules and making sure that there's a crew car as well. So they had to, um, you're not permitted to make any handoffs from the vehicle. So they would have to be on the side of the road and, uh, so once every hour they would do a kind of as you're coming past you would grab a bottle of water and a, and a nutrition piece off them and uh, or your kind of rain jacket whatever you know so it, it's 
It just, I think it sounds long, but it's also for other events, it's actually moved by pretty quickly. And uh, the adrenaline flows as you move from kind of village to village, as you know, you're kind of getting to the finish. So it was, uh, it was a good day overall. And what kind of food were you eating? Was there any potato salad? No, <laughs> no potato salad. So um, I actually, yeah, so that's, that's, that's an interesting point. So, so I had, this was the first probably ultra event that I didn't have stomach problems. I think things like Race Run Ireland and other events, I, I'm I, like one of the reasons I've unfinished business. I just, I've always had kind of stomach issues or something, either knee problem or stomach issue. And after the Joe Barr event, I, um, I had a few stomach issues, the 770, but I spoke to... Um, Gillian Mooney, Joe Barr's partner, who is a nutritionist, and she was brilliant. Ultimately, what we did, we just dialed back. She said it was trying to take in too many carbs per hour, and, and that was what was causing the kind of, the, the you know, the gastric upset. And um, so the Mizzen-Malin one was, uh, you know, pleased to say it was the first day. We, we at One or two times, I felt like I had maybe a little bit less energy, because particularly in the start when I was pushing quite hard. But but it was, it, you know, it was it was amazing to me to kind of to go a full day and not have that sort of time lost through kind of bloated feeling and just the kind of feeling horrible where you're kind of don't want to keep moving when you're when your stomach's at you. Yeah. So uh, I guess that helped. So so in terms of what I was eating, there was a mixture of uh, carbohydrate kind of gels. And then there was um, there was, you know, I suppose what you might call real food. There was kind of sandwiches and there were yeah, like I suppose the hydration was about five probably about 700 mils, uh, probably average about 600 mils an hour. Occasionally as well, every four hours, there was things like kind of, what was it, uh, brioche buns and chocolate bars, you know. That was the first time for me eating chocolate bars, but she said it was okay, so there you go. The best thing was she kind of introduced variety, so that 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 definitely helps, yeah. So what, what had you been doing in the past, Sean, that was causing all the stomach upset? I think it was just, it was it was the volume of, of carbohydrates. There's a lot of research and data, you know, that people can take up to like sort of 90 grams of carbs an hour. and But like that requires a lot of training and stuff to get to that level. And when I did the Joe Bar coast to coast, I guess, you know, I was taking in maybe 65 grams of carbs an hour and I was feeling pretty strong. But for the Miz and Malin, we, we dropped that to kind of closer to around 40 grams. Um, which is not doesn't sound like an awful lot actually, and, and yet it provided a pretty consistent energy throughout the day. So, so really, yeah, the mistakes before was just there was probably it was, the, it was the volume of carbohydrates really that was um, just the stomach wasn't able to kind of process it as, as much. Yeah. And when we look at um, sleep for the the longer events, maybe I know you say seventeen hours isn't very long, and I guess you know an Ironman is is there or thereabouts as well, or you'll have you know, one day or two day endurance events or 24 hour events and you're, they're kind of doable. But on the longer distance events like the race around Ireland or um, some of those bigger events, how do you manage your sleep and fatigue on the bike? It's tricky, I suppose, the short answer, because if, if if you're doing an event over 48 hours, you you, you probably do need to sleep um, like I've done. I've done events up to 48 hours and not slept and it's it's doable i suppose but um but like things like sort of the race around ireland five day the full like you you definitely have to sleep and it becomes a question is like do you stop regularly or or not you know I, I, there's people who have done it in let's say probably two or three hours over five days it's not something i suppose i i, I did when i started out back 2009-10 like i used to i was in the uk and i used to do things i thought i could train myself to be sleep deprived so I used to do things like Friday evening I'd finish up work in London cycle down to Dover 
get the ferry at night and cycle across northern France and then and then come back Saturday night and go out to the nightclub or something. And then and then I thought this was all gonna be like, you know, this is gonna be great sleep deprivation. But you know, it didn't doesn't actually do anything really. So I don't I suppose like I don't do anything I don't do any sleep deprivation training now, I guess, and I haven't done for many years. So I I think it's a tricky one. So we just, it's really, I guess there's there's telltale signs during a race when you're kind of, when you have to go down, because like, you do get a sleep, there's a, there, there is a lot of signs around it, but like there are moments where you have a sleep window and it, you have to go down very quickly in that window, I suppose, when, you're, when your body is kind of entering into a REM state, I suppose, and you're, you know, you are you are starting to see things very um, hallucinations and stuff. I've definitely had some strange hallucinations over the years. Of we'll come back to that in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> some stories, but in terms of managing the sleep, then would you plan to have like say a fifteen minute nap or a ten minute nap, or are you going to say right, we're going to try and sleep for an hour, or, or how do you manage it? Um, the last few events I've done, it, it, it it's not something we've planned out in advance to say we're going to take a 10 15 minute break at this time it's because it's just impossible because if your body is not ready to sleep it's you're, it's wasted and i find the first 48 hours of any event the like you, you are exhausted but the adrenaline is somehow you know still kind of going through your body and i find it hard to switch off so what's worked for me i suppose is like you reach a point where you're very tired typically it's on like day two or so and uh, you try i try and do it that i'd sleep at like three or four a.m so that you kind of you're waking up just as the sky's getting bright and you trick your brain into thinking you've slept the night you know but no i would i would never sleep more than i i'd probably do like 30 minutes i i wouldn't do um i wouldn't do like an hour and a half or anything like that i, I know some people do but i think I think the shortest I've done going race around Ireland is probably like two hours across five days or something, but um, other events, you know, cause it's all time you're losing, I suppose, on, on your competitors. So that's the thing in the back of your mind, you're kind of like, you're really, what is the minimum dose you can get away with? And sometimes 20 minutes is actually perfect. I, I've had events where there was one year, I think in 2014, I, just, I remember clearly, and I, I was battling with a guy, um, Mario Fonseca from Portugal and, uh, we were literally, I think, battling from, I remember we were racing each other coming into Cork and going up Patrick's Hill. Now, to, probably to an observer, probably we were going at five miles an hour But at that stage. But it, to us, it felt like we were going at, you know, full on 40 miles an hour. And and anyways, we, we, were, we were neck and neck, I suppose, all the way to the finish line. And I remember I was ahead for so long. And then I think 30 miles from the finish or 40 miles from the finish, he went ahead of me. And uh, I just felt broken and I kind of like the energy. I thought he then he was pulling away and he was for a period. But um, my crew chief said, we need to put Sean down for a sleep. And uh, I went down for, I think, a 10, 20 minute sleep. And at that time of the race, like with 30, 40 miles ago, you think, well, it's game over. But it, it, it just it transformed me. And I remember like just feeling really buzzing and, and I, my average pace just flew up. And I, and I remember catching him and... Uh, came second that year so it, it really everyone is different and it's just you know it's a it's hard to say 10 minutes or 20 minutes will work for everyone but a good crew manager I suppose to kind of see when you're at that point where you definitely need it I suppose yeah and that you're not falling asleep uh, on the bike as well in the in the middle of the night I want to ask you about recovery on the other side so racing for 48 hours 72 hours whatever it is so not only have you put your body through all of this pedal power but you've also had sleep deprivation so how long typically does it take you 
to recover, to come out of an event again. I know Jill talks often about how it takes a while to get you to come out of that event mood and it's bringing you out quite slowly from it. The recovery can be quite slow. So what what do you do to recover, to get the sleep back in and to get your pattern back into normality? It takes me a few days, I think, to get the sleep pattern back. And, and you, you would think that you're exhausted, but I do find it hard to sleep for a couple of nights after. Like I'll be... I'll be sleeping, but but not. I won't get a full night's sleep. Uh, probably like five hours, you know, that type of thing. Um, and uh, it's different. I found it different over the years. I don't know what it is, but I think the body maybe has got more used to it. Um, I say that in the sense of the, I, I remember clearly things like 2010. The recovery was horrible from from things like the race run Ireland full. I, I remember for a full months, literally, I, I I was waking up and uh, in sweats. The bed was soaked, and I. I have to change sheets like you know you could twice a night and it was it was it was um I think that that was a year where I probably pushed myself maybe too too hard and and too far perhaps um but and I think that was the body it took a long period I guess ever since then I remember that I I wasn't in a mood really for cycling for at least about a month after that event and uh, I always go now on the thing of how quickly after an event am I looking forward to getting out cycling again so if I'm excited about going cycling like a day or two after the race then then I know I'm in a good kind of mental place I suppose so I guess look this year was very good for me and my recovery was probably the fastest it's been in any year so I think you know I was cycling I think the day after in each of the races I've done like not not long this but you know just able to cycle up and down the road kind of thing and uh, and then gradually doing you know 30 40 k's to stuff but and I guess that I, I don't know. And it's not that I'm doing anything different either. I mean, I guess I, I think it's life is busy outside of cycling and, and you don't really have time to think about the race or you just get on with stuff. But yeah, it's hard to say. I'm not, like, as in, I think it was 10 days between the, the 770k and the Miz and Malin. Um, and I think, you know, normally you'd look at that and say that's not really a an appropriate window but but you know the body was was okay and um but I, i'm not doing i'm not doing anything different in terms of nutrition or sleep or so it, it, it's a tricky one i suppose like i think next year might be a totally different situation yeah and what's the go-to meal when you finish a race when you're not having stomach issues or you're not like completely wrecked what's the what are you looking forward to most on the finish line other than sleep i'm not usually hungry at the end i'll be honest yeah i you're kind of because you, yeah if if what am I looking forward to? That's a good question. I, I usually just eat what's in the car if I find probably a chocolate bar, maybe. Yeah, I I am not. It's, it's not like a I look forward to a steak and chips or that kind of stuff. But but I definitely I actually I should say sorry. Yeah, we have um. It's become a bit of a tradition for the last few races, like my um, um Apache pizza. So maybe yeah, maybe I'll say Apache pizza. Yeah. Talk to me about the hallucinations. What's the weirdest one you've ever had? Yeah, probably the weirdest one. Like was so I I've done lots of kind of. I don't know, I do self-experimentation or things around nutrition and stuff. So I've gone, I've been things like I've been vegan, I've been fruitarian, I've done different things over the years, right? But I, there was one, I was vegan for a few years and I remember doing the um, the race around Ireland and I, I remember being in Mayo at this started and, uh, you know, because you're, you're, you are over 40 hours in, I think at this point, we hadn't slept and I just remember seeing like these, um, every car light was coming towards me was, there was the lights of the car. I couldn't make them out properly, but I kept seeing the McDonald's golden arches and I kept craving, I kept thinking there were like these, you know, McDonald's Big Macs and stuff coming, coming, (laughs) coming at me. And then, and then the crew were kind of starting to get worried why I was sort of 
moving over to these lights because I, I was really craving meat. And then I kept, kept seeing these kind of, uh, it, was, it was really bizarre. And then I've seen things like, I don't know, green triangles in the sky for like, I'd say two days. And I thought they were following me around Ireland. It varies a little bit. There's just some, there, there, there's a, I suppose as long as you can keep on the right side of the, the road, you're okay because um, you, you definitely start seeing like some funny kind of stuff. Like I, I, I see, you see things like, you know, in the bushes and you think someone's jumping out of the bushes, that kind of thing. Or you think a post box is like, a, a, you know, a person that's waiting on the sidelines, that kind of thing. It, it's, 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 it's bizarre. But, um, and yeah. tell me what, what hurts the most, your arse, your legs, your stomach, your head. When you get off the bike after, say after the the record uh, two weeks ago, what hurt the most? I think it's the head. Yeah, for sure. Like the amount of, I think it's, is it the concentration or the, just the, it, it, cause, cause it's not, you're not spending the time, you're trying not to let your mind drift. And I suppose you're trying to be focused throughout because once your mind wanders, you're kind of, you know, you're, you're probably going to lose speed and all that stuff. But um so I, I find it, yeah, it's, it's, it's the head is, is, is the kind of the trickiest bit. You kind of, and the other thing is you don't, I don't really, it doesn't register properly with me. Like with the the crew, I always find kind of very happy and delighted, whereas I'm kind of at the finish, whereas I, I'm, I'm sort of, it doesn't quite register with me. I don't know is that the brain is still too tired or something. It, it kind of, it's always the day after that I find is the kind of, it, it, it sort of hits you like that you've like accomplished something that kind of thing but but definitely yeah like everything else is like all the other physical pains that that clears up but it's it, it's it's more like the mental exhaustion probably is it's it's uh it's hard to define it but it's 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 just it feels like your brain is at times is is um gone into overload maybe yeah and when you're actually cycling and you're cycling for that amount of time what are you thinking about uh well you're trying to just think about the I don't know, looking down the Garmin or what you need to do. Like I, I like for the Mizzen Malin one, it was, I, I just kept, I, I kind of, the, the, the pace, I suppose, over the day was dropping a bit. Um, we didn't really have, um, I think we had a headwind at the very, sorry, we had a tail, we didn't have any headwinds on the day. That, that's, you know, it'd be pointless to do it um, with headwinds. But we, we had, um, we didn't have any headwinds or crosswinds, but I was hoping for maybe a bit more favorable tailwind. We had a tailwind for the first probably 20K and then it died away and we didn't get it again until probably the Midlands. Um, but I remember like in the Midlands, you're doing about 40 K an hour. And I think the, like the average was speed at that time was probably like, I don't know, it could have been 36 K an hour or something. Maybe you're at, at loan was about halfway point. And you're just, you know, you're not, you try not to think about the 200 K or the 500 K that's left to go. You kind of, you just, I kept thinking about the next 50 K and it's like, if I can keep this at this average speed of this high, this is going to maximize my buffer for the later on so it was, it was all about like these 30ks the next 30k trying to do this the next hour can i keep this so that's how i operate i suppose and you try not to like you're not thinking about you're not thinking about like you know what's coming up uh what are you going to do next week and what about the, you know it, these random thoughts are that you know everyone has thoughts but you try to not have those thoughts and just the way maybe you can do that i i, I find that's why my brain hurts so much is that you're trying to you're trying to keep so focused on on the kind of the speed and that kind of stuff, and and therefore, like people think you, you you must be like dreaming up all kinds of great ideas and thinking about all affairs of the world, but like it's dreaming it's up McDonald's pretty, with yeah, a side of Apache pizza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're dreaming maybe of Apache, yeah, at the end. So no, it's it's a pretty narrow range, I suppose, and it's it's not that exciting either. <laughs> 
it's just, you know, when you're like, is it mindless thoughts? And I suppose, how do you get rid of any negativity that you might have in your head that like I'm only in at loan and I'm only doing 35 or 40 K an hour average when I need to be doing an awful lot more? How do you keep those negative thoughts yeah. at bay by just staying focused in the moment? Yeah, it, it, it can be tricky. And I suppose I think that it's important, uh, like, I, like I consider myself to be a very positive, I suppose, person off the bike and in life in general. And I think a positive outlook, it, it helps when you're on the bike because the first thing to, to realise is you're going to have some problems and something's going to go wrong. And I, I, like for me, I think we were, I, I was a little bit worried. There was a part of me that was worried as to like, you know, this is 10 days after, am I going to be, I wasn't feeling the best, I'll be honest, in, in uh, the body was okay, but there was just my stomach and other things that was a little bit uh, strange the days before. So I wasn't sure how I'd hold up on the day. And then we were an hour in, I'd say, an hour, an hour and a half, and my right knee um, felt like it was going to pop. And I was like, oh my God, this is, uh, you know, you could go into kind of dramatic mode, but it was, um, it, it, it's about, I suppose, trying to stay calm and accept that, you know, these things will go wrong. This is one of events and there more things will happen later that day. And it, it, it's tricky because there's, there's, a, there's a tendency for the fear to kind of, lead and and but one if you do allow it to kind of dominate you're 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 just gonna you're gonna lose that focus I suppose it all comes back to trying to maintain focus and um anyways but no look that 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 did resolve itself um I think there was a lot of climbing in the first bit and I probably went out a bit too hard I think that was the reason why the knee but then it settled down um but it's I, I guess just trying to you know again going back to the thing about accepting things will go wrong keep moving forward all things will pass these kind of I, I don't know mini mantras and stuff will it helps me I suppose and I think everyone probably has a different approach but you know it's and then and then it gives you confidence that you know as as you improve and you kind of for example like the, I find one thing I find demoralizing is headwinds you know it, it feels like you're kind of going nowhere like look we didn't have it on this melon hurt me very disappointed but that, that's that's the thing that kind of is is is, is tricky because you just it feels like you're not going making significant progress but it, uh but then i just you know you think about it if you're in a race situation i just think like if it's tough for me it's, it's tough for the others and i'm gonna you know you try and push harder or you try and you, you try and turn things around i suppose and that's um <laughs> every situation is a little bit different but um I think the thing that I find that the, probably the most difficult historically is probably has been the stomach issues because when the stomach is problematic, it, it sort of has an impact on everything. And, and, and that is where it, it can be tricky to make the the logical decisions, you know, the kind of about being positive and stuff, because you just feel very, very poorly kind of thing, like in general. And um, I think that's where the crew come in. Like, I mean, for these ultras, like you, you're, the crew are so, so important. And I think the crew... I said it to them as well during the, the, the Joe Bar 770 coast to coast. It was, I remember what we were probably in the lead, I'd say maybe 90% of the race, but you know, in the the final 200k, a guy took the lead and that could have been very demoralizing. And um, the crew were just like, you know, kept kept at me. Like they knew the stomach was, was, was poorly and they were like, look, it's going to come around, just drink this water. And, you know, this guy seems is probably really tired. He had to put in a shift to kind of catch you up. So they were like, just keep going, keep going. And, 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 you know, this is, again, everything, it worked out like within an hour and a half, it was the, the stomach had really come back and, and able to like take on food. And then the energies quickly came back and you're kind of, you know, off you go. So it's, um, 
every situation is different, but it, it all comes back to like just like accepting first of all that you're going to have these these issues. So there's no getting away from it. I think when you have a pattern of maybe having something like a stomach issue in a race, it can add to the overall anxiety about that race never mind the fact that you're going to be on your bike and you're trying to win a race or you're trying to complete a race or whatever but when you add in the fact that there's a 90 percent chance you're going to have an issue with your stomach that can't be easy either to deal with from a mental perspective never mind from a physical perspective yeah i think so and i, I really hope i've turned the corner now with like thanks to jill's help because it's too many kilometers lost on the road i'd say and certainly in my experience from 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 that kind of the stomach but yeah you're right it's it, it sort of it's always been in the the back of the mind kind of, you know, are you doing, how is this going to go? Because when it becomes a pattern, like you kind of, it's almost like it's repeating itself. Whereas it was just brilliant, you know, the, the Mizzenman and not to have that thing. It was just, you know, it, like if it had happened, I suppose, I think, yeah, it probably would have cost me potentially two hours on the day. You know, that's how big a, an impact it, things like race around Ireland. I'd say it's, it's, there's, there's years where it's probably cost me like, you know, 12 plus hours easily I think from from not being able to eat anything yeah where do we go from here what are the plans for 2022 other than trying to break your own record for the Mizzen to Malin uh, again once you've once you've once you've gotten the free pass to go out again yeah well look I think family life is 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 important and I think you know there's, there's work there's work what's that there's, fam- there's there's family sorry there's family then there's work and then there's cycling i think so that's that's the order but uh, <laughs> i'd love i think there's there's three probably events i'd love to do next year and i, I think the hopefully the race around ireland ultras back I'd love to do that next august and 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 just uh, love to give that a kind of a, a proper shot particularly if the stomach's good and then the i think in early august as well as the 555 potentially do that uh with the crew and then I've um, I've spoken to the the commissaire from Cycling Ireland. He's we've made a few adjustments on the route, and I think he's happy to to come. So we we may do it next summer when there's more daylight and uh, fit that in somewhere. But that's that's subject to um, family permissions. And I and I, I honestly, if I get those three next year, I'll be be happy. So I, I, I I'm not I'll deal with them next spring. But yeah, and just, important to uh, note that you have a small baby that's only nineteen months old, and that you are expecting another baby in is it January of next year. Yeah, January. So a few months away. Yeah, we're gonna have our second. So, so you know, that's that's very exciting. And um, but it, it's, I think, yeah, we were chatting before this. I think about the Swift, and I, I've not any day of the week. You know, I'll, I'll go out. Um, like even today, it was a bit. You know, the, the weather here wasn't great, but you know, I, I go out on the bike, and um, I think with the, with yeah, with the little one, I think we're, I might have to look into the indoor Swift, and I think a bit more because. Um, I'm not sure I'll have the luxury of, of taking off uh, as much, shall we say. You'll have to join us on a Monday night spin every Monday, 7.30. Yeah. Be there or be square. We're getting nearly to the end of the, the chat. <clears throat> I want to ask you, what has been the biggest highlight of your sporting career to date? Probably this season in terms of um, just the success, I suppose, in, in the three events and, and each requiring different preparation, I suppose. And uh, you know the Miz and the Malin, I think is is, def- is probably the that was probably my best day on the bike and without stomach problems. So I, I suppose I have to say that one, yeah. And have you eyes on Race Across America potentially in the future? Yeah, no, not so much actually. I, I I I'm I think we're so lucky to have so many great events in in Ireland. And I suppose I um you know when I started doing ultra cycling, I I. I I was over in the U.S. doing races and things like Race Across the West and Race Around Oregon and 
you know, different ultras and stuff. And I, I used to think like, oh, you have to go over there and, and different parts of Europe to get like the great experience. But like, you know, things like the, the 555, the race around Ireland, the Joe Barr, like series of races, like these are all, I, I know the kind of, there's ones like, uh, I think Park Mary has in Mayo as well, the wild Mayo, wild ultras. Just we're spoiled for choice. So I, I, I'd love to do all of them. And I, I don't see myself in any mood for going to the US in the next three years anyways. We'll see after that. If you were starting out again, Sean, what piece of advice would you give yourself? I'd probably work with a coach maybe at the outset. Um, I think that I don't I don't work with coach um, for cycling training at the moment necessarily, but I have worked with some, particularly in the middle part um, of, of my time cycling. And I think I I, I just think the experience and, and, and the, the cluelessness, I suppose, of myself and the naivety, frankly, of just... You know, I, I was I was a I was too impatient, and B I, you know, I went around things and just trying to get to places as quickly as possible with no clue really what to do. So taking on board, I think advice of the experts, I'd say get a coach very very early if you believe you want to get into like doing ultras or even shorter events. I think that will help you know stick with you throughout your career. Frankly, like what you can learn from that, it'd probably be a bit, a bit more kind of. Um, try to be a bit more organized that's that's the thing that that's i suppose these ultras have forced upon me over the years is, is now i'm i'm definitely more organized but i was terrible at the, at the outset you know yeah. has the requirement for being organized on the bike for your racing impacted your organizational skills for work and home life in a positive way i think so a little bit i mean <laughs> if, if you ask that to others they'll probably say no he's he's, he's kind of uh he's maybe not but I've definitely got better. Yeah, I'm going to say that. So, so I think things like the, the Donegal 555 unsupported, things like that, definitely you have to have your ducks in a row. And uh, I think that sort of stuff helps, yeah. And my final question is, lots of people refer to you as the bear. And there was a TG Cahar documentary that was done on the bear, Sean Hernan. But where does the name bear come from and what is its significance? <laughs> yeah, I was wondering if you'd ask this. So, um yeah, no, look, there's nothing too exciting about it, but um, I've been known as the bear, like all my friends, everyone knows me, they generally refer to me as the bear, and um, I it's been that way for a good few years now, but um, I think, I can't quite remember exactly how it started, but I, I do know that, and I still do, I suppose, I love the animals, bears, I'm really fond of bears, I suppose, and um <laughs> so um I don't know is it because I liked bears and then I start like calling people bear or something but it, it it stuck with me and I guess then my friends when they like the friends I was at university and college and stuff like that when they when they you know things like going into the African cycling and the ultra cycling they just thought it was this stuff is crazy and it's like you know he's this guy's gone wild so they start calling me the that's where the bear I think really kind of was there a particular type of bear, like a grizzly bear, a polar bear, or was it just all bears? Yeah, I, I think it was just like some, uh, whatever the craziest bear or wild bears out there, kind of. Um, my friends refer to kind of, that I have this thing called bear logic. Like it doesn't make things, I have a way of our mindset about things that doesn't make sense to them. So I think it's an animal <laughs> behavior. I, I don't know. I don't know. You'll have to ask them someday. Yeah. Well, Sean, uh, thank you so much for joining me on the show. It was great chatting with you. I can't wait to see what happens for next year. I might see you on the road somewhere. Yeah, great. Or we might get Swifton, actually. We should do that. But thanks for having me on. It was a pleasure. And uh, yeah, thank you.
Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget you can get in touch with any feedback or guest suggestions by emailing me on trytalkingsport at gmail.com. I'd love to connect with you on social media. You can find me across all the platforms, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram. Pop by and say hi. Let me know what you think of the show. If you're new to Try Talking Sport, please do check out some of our previous episodes. You will be impressed and inspired by our guests. Until next time, stay safe, keep smiling and remember to look for fun and adventure in every day. Thank you.